Hello, America. The Literacy View is back for our fourth episode. And tonight we are discussing a viewer question because Judy put out there last week, all viewers, please put your ideas into our inboxes. And we're going with a, a, a topic we think is going to be really uh, engaging and energizing for all of you. Faith, why don't you talk to us about what the topic is? So the topic is, how do we bring structured literacy to a high-performing school district? And I know personally, I've heard this question again and again, and it really is a problem because districts really don't see a need to change when most students on paper look like they're doing very well. And so the question comes up all the time. Well, I, you know, I moved to this district because I knew that it had this great reputation and I would assume that my child would just learn how to read. That was a given. And yet uh, we have children struggling and districts don't feel the need to change. So what do we do about that, ladies? Judy. Hey, Judy, jump in. Let's go. So hello, everybody. Judy Boxner here. And I definitely have some opinions on this. So my honest, heartfelt opinion is that every school, no matter if it's in America, Russia, Hungary, Turkey, Israel, Italy, anywhere, needs an explicit ELA, English language arts curriculum, that's not only research-based, but also evidence-based, because all our children are entitled to an equitable education where they succeed. And when we say that children are doing well, what does well really mean? Are we looking only at a state exam that only tests comprehension? Doing well has a lot of things. The reading code is very important too. Can a child decode well? Does a child hear the phonemes? Can they write a sentence that looks really structured? I definitely think that every single school right now needs to stop the nonsense. No more DIY models. Does, does everybody know what a DIY model is? Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you. It's called the do-it-yourself model. Many schools all over our country are following a DIY model where they decide what to teach those children. Yes, they say it's based on standards, but teachers should be teaching the students and not writing the curriculum. We need research-based, evidence-based curriculum starting tomorrow. Okay. okay. And Mary McCord, great, great thoughts, Judy. So, so I completely agree. And what my view is, is that um, I am in private practice now and I, I meet with children all, from all over the United States virtually and I uh, deliver Wilson instruction. So the question is, why aren't there private or public schools providing a sterling education during the day because these kids have to invest after school time in order to catch up. 
So, so structured literacy is not taught. Um, it, it, even though people have foundations or just words programs or phonics programs doesn't mean it's being taught. And many of the students with whom I meet, their parents have means to hire me to do one-on-one tutoring. So literacy for all in closing the gap will not become a realization in our country until every school has a scope and sequence for reading. And I hate to bring America down, but in a few minutes, I'm gonna share with you the NAEP results from 2017 to 2019. And NAEP is the National Assessment for Educational Progress. And the last time that test was administered was in 19. And guess what? Only one state, one state out of 50 showed an increase in in reading proficiency rates. So I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Faith, what are your thoughts? Okay, so my name is Faith Borkowski. I didn't even introduce myself before. Um, I also am in private practice. I've been in education for 35 years. And I'm also the author of Failing Students or Failing Schools, A Parent's Guide to Reading Instruction and Intervention, and the If Only I Would Have Known series based on what parents would say once they realize what the problem actually is. So moving back to the topic of, um, you know, how do you get these uh, schools to change? My feeling is that we focus a lot in high performing school districts on dyslexia. So this is something uh, that, you know, parents will go out and get dyslexia um, assessments and evaluations within the hope that their children will then get services. That will help one child at a time. And I think as somebody in private practice, you know, um, you're only helping that one child at a time. And yet we have kids all over the country doing poorly. So, you know, my feeling with this is we have to make the problem actually known to people who are not in special education, where parents in tier one actually understand the nature of the problem. I think there are kids who read and learn to read with, you know, adequate um, understanding. But lots of kids can't write, as Judy said, about writing a sentence and writing, you know, a structured sentence where there is a subject and predicate and it's expanded with some details doesn't happen. So, you know, I think if we started to make the problem broader, where parents in those um, gen ed classrooms understand, hey, it's not just those kids. It's not just the kids who have a label of dyslexia. Hey, why don't you look and see how your child spells words? That's right. 
And spelling is a window into what they really understand and how to read. What about how they write? What about their handwriting? All of a sudden, this problem is going to branch out and more people are going to have something to say. And that's what parents need. They need numbers. One parent going in, you're easy to ignore. You need a bigger group with you. And the way you get a bigger group is to make the problem known that it's not just a few kids. Well, and across the country, there are news articles now that across the country, there are parent groups who are demonstrating at board meetings and they want structured reading. They want evidence-based science of reading practice in their schools. So I agree completely with you, Faith. Judy? I do as well. And the one thing that every parent has to understand, first of all, I'm a mom. I'm an educator for 24 years. I'm all, I also do private work as well. Structured literacy will hurt no one. Even those high-performing students will do 10 times, if not a million times better with a structured literacy approach. So I live in a very wealthy town, Greenwich, Connecticut. I work in a low socioeconomic place, but I live in a very wealthy town. Guess what? High-performing district that I live in. I'm busy on Saturday morning. I'm really <laughs> busy on Saturday morning. really busy. I'm really busy. And you know what? Some parents will come to me and say, you know, I think there's something wrong with my kid. I think there's something wrong with my kid. And sometimes, yes, there's, you know, some something going on. But guess what? Sometimes there's not a lot going on, except that there was a lack of instruction in that classroom where children weren't taught to take the work that they're learning and transfer it into books. Foundations. Well, you know, we came to some schools three years ago. What about all those kids that didn't have explicit phonics instruction? And then the parents come to me when their kids are older in fourth grade, in fifth grade. Oh, my kid is having a really hard time writing. It's really hard for them. They can't get their ideas on paper. Why? They didn't have explicit instruction. So I I really want to also say thank you to Faith because reading her book really, really touched my heart and my soul because parents, you need to listen and you need to start asking those questions. And with Faith's guidance, I've been asking, telling parents, here's some questions to ask. I even had a parent call me tonight. They don't know English that well. They're like, what do I do? I don't know what to say. Can you help me? Question number one, what is your core ELA program in your school? What is your phonics program? What program are you using for phonemic awareness? What writing program do you use? Those are questions to start asking. Also, what does small group reading look like in your school? Is it guided reading? Is it strategy reading? What kind of books are my kids reading in the class? How many times a week are you seeing my kid? And also, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, yes, my child's working with a reading specialist. What training does that reading specialist have? Are they trained in Orton Gillingham? Are they trained in Wilson, like my friend Mary? Hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? And, and I want to say to parents and, and teachers, so you want to know what structured literacy is? You're learning the six-syllable types. You're learning the digraphs. You're learning welded sounds. But if you're in a high-performing district, I will bet your district is not teaching morphology. 
And the morphology would be Greek and Latin roots, prefixes and what they mean. So in my private practice, and I know faith, we're teaching those word elements that are really important. Why? Because about 70% of the English language is derived from Latin or Greek bases. They also, when they learn prefixes and their meanings, they're able to deduce what the word means. So morphology is super important. And I would guess that in high-performing districts, unless you're teaching Latin in a high school, um, my, my own sons didn't get Latin until they were in high school and it was a Jesuit school. Um, but I think that whole piece is missing. So we need the components. Every student needs to know what a suffix is. Every student needs to know what a prefix is. They all have to understand what a base word is. They all have to start with syllable types that are not all mixed up. We start with the closed syllable, and then we go to the VE, and then the open, and so forth. But let's go back to the question. Let's say parents know the elements of a good reading program, but the district doesn't listen to them. Right. The question really is, how do you get this into a school district where, let's say, look, on Long Island, I know we have a newspaper here, Newsday, Mm -hmm. and parents wait for those reports to come out. Oh, my district is number three. My district is number five. Oh, I want to move to X district that's, you know, in the top 10 or the top 20. And, you know, they, they move to these districts because they have the reputation and the districts know they have these great reputations. Why should we have to change for a few kids? That's the thinking that's involved. So even though we know structured literacy works, the question really is, how do you change people's minds? So here's another thought. Maybe there are kids who would show up to a community school board meeting who struggle. Sometimes adults will listen to a kid who wants to talk about his or her struggles and how the district did not serve him well or her well, where she said, you know, and I have older kids I've worked with who could do this, who can handle this. And maybe say, you know what, there are times I felt like just, you know, giving up. I just, you know, the district just can't seem to teach me. Where do I fit in? Don't I deserve an education? So, you know, sometimes that could be powerful. Getting a group of parents together could be powerful. A teacher who works in the district might even want to change, but that becomes really, really hard because I know teachers who have tried and then uh, they get punished right? some way. So that is a tough one to do when you work in a district and you see the problems, but you have to keep your mouth shut. Well, I'm going to call some, oh, I'm sorry. Can I ask something for a second? So when we say they're high performing, can we just clarify, what does that mean? What does it mean that they're high performing? On well, what? as a school, 
the numbers look really good. The, the school progress where they get in the in the papers and they are thought of as top districts in the state. Right. That's considered high performing. But what, are, what data are they basing it on? Is it the okay. state exam? So now yeah. that's something to also think about. We want to think about student progress versus school progress. If you look at student growth, that will tell you more about a school district than looking at the overall school. Because guess what? Those parents are taking kids to tutors. There are tutors on every block here. And they're taking them to people like all of us but to get what? help. And but that's factored right into the numbers. But guess what? I also work in the South Bronx. And guess where those kids are going after school? They're not going to tutors. Some of them are going to shelters. That's right. right. That's right. And we have to make sure that education is equitable for every single one of our learners. 100%. And you know what? They say that kids, there are one in five who struggle with dyslexia. But I agree with Faith. If kids do not have that foundational base. Yes. So I call on every administrator, K through two. That we and U.S. Department of Education, I really call on you that we have legislation in every state that the science of reading be taught K through two in a very systematic, organized, evidence based way. And then we will eradicate. Why? Because I checked the data today. We have 25% of our population in this country who are completely illiterate. So, so back to the NAEP, our scores have not improved since 2017 in fourth grade and eighth grade. So that is so shocking to me because we have billions of dollars in this reading industry in this country. But you know what the problem is? We are listening to publishers. We're listening to Heinemann or writers of this curriculum like Lucy Calkins. And Lucy Calkins has sold everyone down the river. She's made millions of dollars, America. This is my opinion, and left people behind. I love whole language and balanced literacy. As a kid, I would have loved book baskets, but I had a ton of phonics because I attended Catholic school. If you do not have those foundational skills, those kids will forever be left behind. So every kid, like you say, Judy, deserves to have the tutoring help that we provide after school on weekends, during their school day. Right, tier one tutoring. Tier one instruction. And what does tier one instruction mean? That means the whole class. That means the whole class. And if teachers start doing it with more fidelity, they'll look, how's my class doing? And guess what? Even in those high-performing districts, when you look at their decoding skills, without a structured literacy program, data was like 30% passing. Once you start having structured literacy, like foundations and phonics-based programs, the scores go up. It hurts no one. It helps everyone. And, and the other thing that I wanted to mention is we also have to think about our ENL learners, the English as a new language learners. 
So we very often talk about our dyslexic learners and students that have trouble with um, literacy-based skills. But EML learners really, really are also desperate for phonics and structured literacy. They can't guess a word like meatballs by, by just looking at the word meatballs. Maybe they don't eat meatballs. Exactly. So we have to teach our kids how to decode. Too many of our kids have been guessing for many, many years. And even I, I finally know all the syllable types for many, many years now. But it makes breaking the code so much easier. Now, every word that I see, I see the parts. It makes sense. English is not as tricky as we all think it is. Mm -hmm. well, that's I, you know what? I, I think getting back to this idea of um, how do you change the administrators over? How do you convert them? How do you get them to this side? Where, oh, I have an idea, Faith. Well, let me just, I'm, I want to hear it. Yep. I just want to say something. Yep. You know, I'm thinking also where, you know, you talk about the decoding. I think in a high-performing school district, because many of the parents are college educated, mm -hmm. that these kids are growing up with a lot of language in the home and they are read to. So it will mask, um, you know, the need for those strong decoding skills in the early grades. But then all of a sudden they get to third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, when they have to decode a multisyllable word. And all of a sudden I'm getting calls from parents of older kids. The, these kids were fooling their teachers because they were able to talk about so many things. They knew about so many things. Amen. So I also think bringing that up at some type of parent meeting is so important. Getting others involved and talking about the problems of a high performing school district where either they're taking their kids for outside help or they were able to get by because they have high verbal intelligence. That's something to think about. Or maybe they were able to pay a lawyer to get alternative services Correct. for their child. Correct. Or parent advocates or whatever else. So I had another thought. So I think that Acadian's data that's being collected in a lot of schools, not everywhere. Will you explain that, Judy? Yeah. Really? So in New York City schools, we're starting to collect data with a tool formerly known as Dibbles, but now it's called Acadians. And that's much more based in the science of reading and looking at how kids decode words, nonsense words, first sounds in words, last sounds in words, uh, reading oral pa passages in one minute. Those tools for data collection are giving a lot of principals, superintendents, a major wake-up call. Because when you're looking at the data, which many of them are doing now more than ever, they see a lot of red on the screen. And guess what? Red means that the students are underperforming and they see it. So I think one of the key pieces is collecting data on the foundational skills. And that will be a big wake up call for a lot of the schools. But my only concern is, so we're spending a lot of time, generally this whole week in literacy, 
Uh, I've seen a lot of bashing of Lucy's program. I've seen it all over. I've been reading it. And, you know, Lucy's program had some beautiful things also. There was children were enjoying reading. They were reading about different topics. However, there were many problematic features as well, like students were overly relying on picture cues and not really solving. So now, you know, cities, you know, schools and everybody is going to be looking for answers. We know foundations is great, right? We know there's other research-based programs, but that's only a half hour of the day. So now schools are really gonna start thinking about what ELA curriculum should we be choosing? And I think the key as we make those decisions should be looking at what's the data, show us the data, how has this curriculum been working with different demographic groups? But even more than that, it's very important to know how, how students are doing with that data, but also a lot of these programs, they teach the kids one thing, how to think, what is the main idea, what is the character feeling, but can the student read the text? Who's doing all the work? Is it the teacher or the kids? So as this is a big transitional time for schools, I hope that we find programs that do work best for our students. I know Writing Revolution is great. Foundations is great. I know you guys probably have some ideas what's working great too. Well, the thing about this is though, we have to educate the teachers and the administrators. And, and surprisingly, I think this would be a good research paper. How many administrators at the top have any kind of reading certification, training, deep training in how the brain learns to read. So I also call on all administrators to take a course in structured or evidence-based literacy so that you understand what it is that's being talked about. Um, teachers also have to be trained. So I also looked at data today that in 75% of our universities across America, they're still doing balanced literacy training. And, and you know, if you were to go on Twitter or Facebook or any of these platforms, you know, our group, we find each other. So it appears to us like, oh, it's happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you Right. If you follow certain groups and certain people, it sounds like change is happening and it's happening at lightning speed and it's happening everywhere because, you know, we're in an echo chamber. We all talk to each other, the people who are into structured literacy, who have the same type of training. But guess what? You mentioned, oh, you know, it would be nice if administrators had some understanding of reading. You want to know something, Mary? Some of the administrators with reading certification are some of the hardest people to get through to because their background is in whole language and they are married to what their degrees taught them years ago. And so sometimes they are the toughest ones because they but, don't want to, um, they, they don't want to um, really look at themselves and say, oh, I really didn't know this. But all we have to do to Judy's point, all we have to do is look at the data across our country 
And with the national, the, the educational progress, we are lower than we were in 2017. And guess what, guys? I don't think dumping more money is, is the solution. It has to be training for educators. And by the way, you know, the people that are paying us for private tutoring, they all, every one of the students with whom I work, they all go to high performing school districts. Yes. And many of them are older. And again, to Judy's point, when they come to longer and longer words, they can't read them because they don't know how to syllabicate. They don't know the syllable types. They're not really even sure sometimes what the vowel sound should be. This is what you encompass. This is what you mix in with structured literacy. But if I'm an administrator in a high performing district, my answer, and again, you know what I'm doing here. I'm saying, well, look, our numbers don't show what you're talking about. This is why I am, here's my suggestion. You have to look at student growth. I'm gonna say it again. I think if parents really want to um, try to make change, they have to go to the special ed department and inquire and say, well, could we take a look at student growth compared to their peers? The classroom, you know, student growth compared to their peers. And what you'll see is a lot of flatlining and or dropping. Even though the school as a whole or the district as a whole looks like it's really succeeding, you really have to see if they really are teaching well, then they're able to move those kids too. But it's if you really take a look, it's not happening in, in a lot of these places. It's and not it's, happening. It's and not taxpayers, happening. we pay taxes so that our public schools deliver evidence-based appropriate instruction. Parents shouldn't have to spend disposable income on tutoring. And how about the majority of our country that can't afford private tutoring? Mm -hmm. So this is, this is, so we talk about um, equality. We need to get the equality with reading in order for it to bridge into every other area. But ladies, I still need some answers. So what are the best programs out there? Well, it's, it's not necessarily you, a program, Judy. You know, and I right. can tell you there are lots of programs. I just brought a program into a school district here on Long Island that is not an Orton-Gillingham program, but it has a ton of evidence behind okay. it. What is and it? And it works differently. And it does not teach syllable types, although... There's syllable division. So you have to realize, and this is for another discussion. We could talk about that where both of you could bury me. But um, I I do feel that there are tons of programs out there. It's not the program. It's the structure, whether it's speech to print or print to speech methodology, The key is that it's cumulative. It goes back to these words. 
structured, cumulative, explicit. Explicit. And let's talk, let's talk about the five components though. Phonemic yes. awareness. You must have phonemic awareness. You must teach phonics so that sound symbol relationship. And then when they have that decoding piece down, vocabulary, comprehension, fluency. And I know you're going to say, you know, I guys, I feel some of those components should come a little earlier than you guys do, but they are an important piece every single day in every single classroom. Those, those five pillars of literacy plus writing explicit instruction on a daily basis. And for those of you today that are watching, maybe your program's not changing overnight. You still have the power to, to implement best practices in your classroom starting tomorrow. No more looking at those pictures when, when problem solving, sliding through words at point of difficulty. So that's and my final my final thing is that write to your school board members. I email this, my local school board members every six to eight weeks. I had a conversation with a school board member last week um, because we are still using bad, balanced literacy in, in my town. Um, so, so be vocal, gr- gather together. If kids, you know, you, you really have to, in Minnesota, they're protesting. In Detroit, they're protesting. There was a lawsuit in Detroit because not all kids, they were coming out of school and they weren't reading. If we ran businesses this way, we'd be shut down. So there would be no money made, but that we should never accept that 40% of our students are not learning to read in our public schools or private schools. And only the rich or the people with, you know, who are working extra jobs to get private tutoring can close that gap because of all the extra time. It's not right. No, it's not right. And, um, you know, I I think that I encourage parents to um, talk up one thing, and I'll leave people with this. I know that my private clients sometimes don't want to say anything publicly. They want to keep everything very private. They don't want to let anyone know that their children get tutoring outside. And I understand that to a point. But if you want change to happen and you want to be able to send your kid to school year after year without having to fight for an IEP and for every goal and for every little thing, because that's what you're going to do. If a school district doesn't embrace structured literacy, you're always fighting an uphill battle. So my feeling is try to get over that and just realize that, um, you know, by speaking up, it's it's not embarrassing. It should not be an embarrassing thing for your child or for you. Um, and grouping together with other parents and really discussing this and trying to bring the research to your school district, showing it to them and saying that, you know what? It's more than just reading. It's spelling, it's writing, it's handwriting. It's everything that goes into this. 
and um, to open it up to a wider audience so that more people will want to get involved. In high-performing districts, ask, do a survey and find out how many kids are receiving outside tutoring in your district. I think that would be a really interesting research question. So, and also, here's one last thought for me. Parents, you do not need to move to a certain neighborhood to find a quality education for your children. They deserve a quality education now. It doesn't matter if you're in the South Bronx or if you're in Brooklyn or if you're in Ohio or if you're in Long Island. Every one of our kids, because they're all our kids, deserve an equitable, evidence based program in their classroom. And if you're not going to have one tomorrow, you better at least start having better practices now. Well said. I love that final thought. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And teachers, you're on the front lines every day. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you. Love you. Good night.